this is Candace Pringle, lead pastor of FE Church, and this is our podcast. Well, I don't know about you, but I can feel this buzz in the room. I wasn't kidding. It feels like an elementary school classroom, like the day before Christmas break. <laughs> Anybody else feel that? Like an energy. We're all ready for Christmas, for all the fun stuff. We have also had an incredible couple of weeks as a church. I, I just, I love Christmas time. I love December. I love how this holiday takes over the whole month. Anybody else? Some people hate that, like grumbling about Christmas music being played as soon as Thanksgiving is over. But I love it. I love that it's not just one day, but it really does take a a whole month to fully celebrate this holiday. I think that's special. I think it's an event worthy of one-twelfth of our year, right? But really, Jesus is worth 100% of our year, 365 days out of the year, right? But I, I love that we get to celebrate Christmas with the whole month. I love that we celebrate it with all kinds of things, too, like ugly sweater contests and cookie contests and parties and get-togethers and reunions and white elephant stuff and tree lightings and decorations everywhere. I love it. I love all of it because each and every one is an opportunity. Now, not everybody takes the opportunity, but it is an opportunity nonetheless. It's, It's an opportunity to remember why we're doing it. It's an opportunity to remember what Jesus has done for us. And as we head into this, what's probably a very busy week for all of us, with all kinds of celebrations, parties and all of it, I know that it's a challenge sometimes to remember why, why we're doing it. But I wanna just encourage you this week, take every opportunity, take everyone. Just thank Jesus for what he has done. Let yourself get swept up in the magic of it all, the fun of it all, but also the power of it all. Right, The Lion of Judah came down. There is power in that. When you truly tap into that, it is life-changing. Let yourself overflow onto other people with the majesty of who Jesus is and what he has done for us this week. Amen? Can we do that together? The Lion of Judah. Power behind that. It's not just a baby in a manger, but a king. So far in the series, we have talked about how we see Jesus, right, in the first week. Then we talked about how Jesus sees us. Wasn't Jeremiah awesome last week, by the way? So powerful and good. Yes? Oh, I'm disappointed to say we won't have him back until probably late summer, maybe fall next year, because he will be on the mission field until June, and then he's getting married. So <laughs> we may not have him till later in the year, but he, he's been so, so good. I do want to, just to remind you that we support him monthly as a church in all he endeavors to do in on the mission field. So I, I would just encourage you, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Pray for him. Put him on your monthly prayer request. It is a, an awesome thing that he's doing. We really believe in him. But anyway, today I want to show you Not only, we talked about how we see Jesus, how Jesus sees us. Today, I want to talk about how we see us, right? How you see yourself is also important in the kingdom of God. And this this series really is about our perception, our perception of our role. Jesus's role doesn't change. My role doesn't change. But how we see those things makes all the difference. Look, Jesus was born into a hostile environment, one that said they wanted a Messiah, but really didn't. 
one that didn't accept that a virgin birth was possible, one that wanted to kill him as soon as he took his first breath on earth. Sometimes we romanticize that a little. We have our little nativity scenes, and they're so quaint, and we all Right? We make these things seem so perfect and picturesque and quaint. And they're beautiful things, beautiful nativity scenes. A beautiful song makes it sound oh so sweet and magical. But it wasn't a magical environment for Mary and Joseph. It wasn't a magical environment. It was tough on them. Not many people saw that moment, the birth of Jesus, for what it was. We're going to talk a little bit next Sunday about how Mary may have made it through all of that opposition, all of the stuff she had to go through to live out her calling. I believe she has some tips for us uh, in her story about how we can make it through tough times. Definitely come out to Rewind Weekend next week. But but this week, we're going to look at one of the few groups of people who really saw the birth of Jesus for what it was. Now, unlike the wise men, who we talked about the first week of this series, these guys weren't necessarily looking for Jesus. They were, they were given this knowledge. It was like a download out in a field. They were given the knowledge that the Messiah was just born, proving that you don't always have to earn the blessings of God. Sometimes it is just given for no other reason than he loves you. However, there was some unique things that the shepherds did here. I believe they reacted to the news in a way that most people of that time would not have reacted. Let's read the story, and I'll show you what I mean. Luke 2, verse 8. That night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news. That would bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, The shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. After seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. All who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. First of all, the fact that God chose shepherds to announce his son to. I mean, he could have chosen kings. He could have chosen rich people, priests, religious experts. He could have chosen a political party. There were four political parties at the time of Jesus, by the way. He didn't. He chose shepherds. In a field. It wasn't the only time God chose a shepherd, someone lowly and unqualified, which is, by the way, the title of our New Year sermon series, Unqualified. It wasn't the first time, and it won't be the last. See, I think there's something to this. Over the last 
two weeks, we have talked about how we see Jesus, how Jesus sees us. This week, we're talking about how we see us. There is something significant here. It matters how we see ourselves. It matters to God. We already read the story of the wise men and Herod, right, the first week of the series. We know what the king did. He, he wanted to kill Jesus. We know that the entire city, when they heard about it, was deeply disturbed to hear that the Messiah may have been born in their town. Deeply disturbed. But not these shepherds. Not the shepherds. These shepherds didn't see themselves as having anything to lose. King Herod thought he would lose his power by the Messiah coming. I don't know what the town thought, but they were deeply disturbed. The shepherds didn't see themselves as having anything to lose. They didn't see themselves as, as having any real power that might now be lost, any real influence. They didn't see themselves as anyone important enough that the Messiah might threaten. They saw the Messiah as their rescuer. And they saw the God of heaven celebrating something and immediately dropped everything and ran to it. You know, I wonder, what if there had been anyone else in the city that was worthy of this news? This is purely speculation, but I, I wonder, you know, God dwells among the praises of his people, Psalm 22 tells us. He dwells among the praises of his people. When you praise him, he is there with you. What if no one else in town praised him? What if those shepherds were lucky enough to get a heavenly praise concert that night because they were the only ones humble enough to receive it with an open heart? Pride does crazy things to us, crazy things to us. It it twists everything we see and hear. It makes us want to change reality. It literally causes God to hide things from us. I wanted to quote a verse to you on that to prove that point, but there were so many (laughs) God hides things from the proud. It twists things. Pride does all kinds of weird things to us. What if that angelic concert in a field was open to everyone, but everyone else was too blinded by pride to see it? Not the shepherds. Humility matters to the heart of the Father. Without it, we can't see him properly because we can't see us properly. When we understand that we are not the top of the food chain, we are not the star of the story, right? That as hard as we try, we'll never be the star of the story. And trying to build our own kingdom here on earth, it doesn't only not make sense, it's not worth it. All things will pass away, but his words will never pass away. His kingdom is actually all that's worth it. It's the only thing that will last. It's humbling when you really realize that especially in our hustle culture, our busy, busy culture. We're all trying to build our own little kingdoms. They're not going to last. The one thing that will last is his kingdom. Therefore, we are not the center of the universe. We're not the star of our own show. We're not even the main character in our own story. He is. It's his story. We're just characters in it. Do you know why? I I know that the shepherds didn't see themselves as the main characters. I know that they didn't see themselves as more than they were, other than the fact that they were shepherds, probably dirty, smelly, hung out with animals all day, and didn't bathe all that often. It's not a rich man's profession in that time and place in the world, right, to be a shepherd. But I also know 
because of what they did after the angels came. The, the shepherds did three remarkable things here, three unique things here. Number one, they ran to Jesus. They ran to Jesus immediately. Every time I studied this this week, I got emotional because it's the heart that I long to have for Jesus. You know, I often wonder if I would be the type that would sit and be afraid, <laughs> consider all the options, right, all the repercussions. I would be stuck in fear in that field. I was worried about the conflict that it would cause with my neighbors. I'd let fear, a.k.a. pride, get in the way. I desperately want to be the kind of person that runs to Jesus. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. We have to realize our need for him. Most people, when told something crazy, something miraculous, something unbelievable, they immediately don't believe it, right? Categorically, I don't believe it. I just see it with my own eyes. Or they go around asking everyone else's opinion on it. They ask their best friend, their family, their mom, their great aunt Tessie, whatever. <laughs> They're asking everybody their, their opinion on it, and they let their, those opinions affect their own. These guys ran straight to the source, straight to the source. If there was even a hint of doubt at what they had just seen, like, like if they even thought for a moment that maybe they accidentally ate the wrong mushroom out in that field, you know what I mean? Angels are just a <laughs> byproduct of they were tripping or something. If they even thought that for a moment, it didn't matter because they ran straight to see this thing which the Lord has told us about. They ran straight to see it with their own eyes. Christians, if, if more of us did this, it would change our lives. If more of us, when, hurt, when we hear something that is just out of this world, that's barely believable, and we ran to Jesus with it first, even if, if we just had a feeling or an emotion, a desire, a jerk reaction, but we ran to Jesus with that thing instead of to everybody and everything else. Our relationship with him would be so different. Run straight to the source. Run to Jesus. I think most of us approach him with this timidity. Like, uh, God, if you just could maybe. I know I don't deserve it, but. Right, like, like Santa, I think I've been good this year. Could you just give me this, this, and this on my list? Approach him with this timidity, which is, again, not seeing ourselves correctly. We are children of God. When you give your life to Jesus, his sacrifice covers it, and we can now boldly approach the throne room of grace and ask for the things that we need and want. He wants to be included on those conversations, actually. We have to see ourselves correctly even to have that conversation with God. But humility isn't about being down on yourself. It's not about being insulting toward yourself. It's about knowing who you are who he is, and whose you are. You are a child of God, made in his image. You are unique on planet Earth. He crafted you. He created you. He knew you before you were formed. He knows you. He loves you. He smiles on you. That is who you are. Walk in that. And it's not because of anything you have done. 
So I can hear some of the internal monologues because I have these conversations all the time. All right, I'm not that. I'm, I'm not worthy of that. You don't know what I did last night and what I'm planning to do later today, right? You have no idea who I am. I do, actually. Right? It's because it's not because of anything you have done. You aren't worthy. You will never be worthy. It's because of what he did, what Jesus did 2,000 years ago. That's what makes you worthy. Run to him today. He makes you a child of God. What does that look like practically? Right? Sure, the, the, the shepherds could run straight to baby Jesus and see him in a manger. I don't have like a, what do, what do I run to, Candace? right? What that looks like practically is we go to him first with our problems. Not as a last resort. Not as the last person when, when you've exhausted all your other help do you run to Jesus. No, you run to him first. Look, I catch myself doing this all the time. And I feel like I'm constantly praying. I'm constantly in the word. And yet still, a week goes by and I realize, you know what? I haven't asked God about this. I've been worried about it all week. Haven't once talked to him. Like, what am I doing? We forget so often. But run to him first. Not as a last resort. When you're alone, you're talking to him. You're, you're not focusing on the anxieties and the fear loops that can go on and on in your mind. You run to him and you lay it at the feet of Jesus. You need humility to do this. It's hard for most hardworking Americans to ask for help. Even when it's God, you're asking. Run to him. He wants you to run to him. You need humility to run to Jesus. And I think this is why this terrifies me to some degree. I, I'm terrified that I would let pride get in the way of something great and amazing with God. I'm terrified that I would have ended up in that field second-guessing and being scared rather than running to Jesus and getting to experience the birth of Christ, seeing him in the manger. We miss out on so much when we let fear and pride get in the way. They ran to Jesus. Number two, they worshipped Jesus. They didn't just run to him. They worshipped him. Right? The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. I love that these guys didn't just, it's not like they ran straight to the temple. Right? They didn't run to tell someone more religious than them. They just went back to their jobs. <laughs> glorifying and praising God all the way. That's Christianity. That's just going back to work. I think most Christians think, you know, we have to walk spiritually, talk spiritually. We have to be something we're not. We have to be timid or we have to be loud or we have to be a powerful speaker. or We have to surround ourselves with Christmas, not Christmas music, <laughs> Christian music all the time. We have to be in Christian talks. We have to, I don't know, just Christian bubble all the time, right? They have this idea of what Christianity should be in their heads and we try to live up to that. But real Christianity Real following Jesus, it's lived out in the everyday. It's lived out in your job, in your workplace, in your home, in your schools, in your soccer games, in your playgrounds. It's the, in the daily Starbucks trips. And yes, even at Walmart. During Christmas, it's lived out everywhere. Look, God doesn't always call you to Africa like Jeremiah right? Sometimes, most times, he just calls you to work, 
to the people you are around every day. Start there. (laughs) Just go back to work. We are in the world, just not of the world. Be in it. You're called to be in it, just of different stuff. With a different spirit, mindset. You look at things differently, but you're still looking at the same things. God made you just the way that you are. Be you. Just in submission to Jesus. This is where the world gets it wrong. The world says, be you. uh, Dig deeper inside of you. Discover who you are. Yeah, do all those things, but in submission to Jesus. If it doesn't line up with what Jesus called us to live, don't do that thing. But otherwise, be you. Just in submission to Jesus. That's worship. Living your life out in submission to Jesus is worship. True worship reminds us of this. True worship puts us back in our place. That's why at the beginning of most services, I call us back into remembering who he is. Worship is not about gratitude or thankfulness or praise. Those are all good practices. Worship, true worship, is just focusing in on who he is. He is the provider. He is the deliverer. He is the rescuer, the comforter. That's who he is. When you can understand that, you know that he will provide for me. He will deliver me. He will rescue me. But you you need to remember that he is big and majestic and holy. He is the lion of Judah. Not just a baby in a manger, but he's coming back someday. His story wasn't just 2,000 years ago. It's still happening. To remember that you are just a small part of a very big story. Worship puts you back in your place. And you need worship to survive this life. You need worship to survive Walmart at Christmas. Just saying. I can't tell you how many times God has changed my perspective in worship. How many times I've gotten a word of wisdom, a word of knowledge, a revelation from heaven in worship. And not just singing songs, but truly recognizing who God is. That's worship. You can do that without any music whatsoever, actually. Run to Jesus, worship Jesus, and then go tell everyone, which is number three. The third remarkable thing the shepherds did is they told everyone. Even though they weren't the top of the food chain, right? Even though their social status was low, as lowly shepherds, they told everyone. It probably didn't enhance their rep all that much in a town full of people that were deeply disturbed by hearing about the Messiah, But they told everyone. Look, you need some humility for this too. You need to not value your pride so highly that it comes between you and Jesus. Right? We Honestly, I think this is most Christians hang up with sharing the gospel. We say it's fear. We, we say fear is what holds us back from telling other people about Jesus. But fear of what? Rejection? So you'd rather they go to hell than be rejected. Ouch, I know. Rather they go to hell than you be judged or rejected or made fun of. That's pride under the fear. It's not just fear. Fear can't just say, I'm just so scared. What if I don't say the right things? It's 
pride underneath the fear. Jesus came to bring heaven down, to establish his kingdom here on earth. He came to commission us for ministry, to work through us, to empower us with his Holy Spirit so we can reach the world in his name. The shepherds told everyone immediately upon hearing about the Messiah, they went and lived out the Great Commission. Jesus didn't even give the Great Commission yet. They told everyone. What's stopping you? The Lion of Judah. Jesus Christ. Our banner. Our symbol. Our our standard. He's coming back someday. His story isn't over yet. He came. He sacrificed himself for you, but not just for you. For your friends, your family members, your coworkers, your neighbors. You now I get, I get the unique opportunity to counsel people facing really tough stuff on a weekly basis. People attending a funeral, um, somebody helping somebody else through crisis. They're seeing family or helping a friend through something really tough. You know, it's not their crisis, but they're close to it favorite piece of advice that I give out constantly to people in this situation is, you know what? Just go be Jesus to them. Go be Jesus to them. And it always is, you know, takes them aback a little bit. They're like, oh, um, yeah, I thought you were just going to say I'm sorry for your loss or something like that, but go be Jesus to them. That's that's a different thought. be Jesus to them, which means put down your judgments, your holier-than-thou attitudes, even your anticipation of their judgments. Put it all down. Choose to put it all down because that's what he did. The only one on planet Earth that was worthy to judge us, he chose not to. Put them down. Choose to go in humble. Choose to go in and be what they need you to be when they need you to be it. If your family needs a shoulder to cry on, be the shoulder and cry right along with them. Weep with those who weep, right? If you need a meal, if they need a meal, feed them. If they need a prayer, pray it boldly. If they need a laugh, tell a joke. Meet a need. Clean something. Wash Give a hug, be a giver, be an encourager. Leave things and people better than you found them. And then, and probably only then, you might have an opportunity to tell them the good news. Jesus didn't come to judge them. He didn't come to berate them and take all the fun out of their lives. In fact, he came to enhance their lives. To give them life and life abundantly. Be Jesus to them. Be Jesus to this world. Most of us, we're going into this week about to see the most amount of people that we might see all year. (laughs) Family, you know, reunions, uh, get-togethers, extended family, old friends in town. We're going to see our parents, our siblings, our nieces and nephews, co-workers at Christmas parties, all of it. So many people, right? Be Jesus to them. Lay down your pride. Choose to leave people better than you found them. 
be a blessing to your world, even when it's a hostile world like Jesus had. Be Jesus to them. How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as commissioned by the Lion of Judah in this world full of darkness? Do you see yourself as a light, as a humble servant? Jesus was here. He walked the earth in human form, but today is not that day. Today, he walks the earth in you. He chose to commission you. Do you see him in you? Can you look at your behavior, the way you've treated your family, your friends? Can you see him? Or do you see judgments? Do you see fear? Do you see pride or lust or greed? How do you see you? Be Jesus. Father, today, we humble ourselves just like you did. You chose to humble yourself. You chose to came down, come down into this mess of a world to live a, a messy human life. And yet you didn't sin once. You never chose selfishness. Not once. The only human being to ever walk this earth who deserved to judge us all. And yet you didn't. Jesus, help us live more like you. Help us see ourselves as your workers in your harvest field. Help us see ourselves as the light that we come in not being affected by the temperature of the room, but we come in being the thermostat and setting the temperature of the room, that we bring the joy, the peace, the hope along with us in every single environment we touch. God, Let us leave people and things better than we found them. Use us, God. Commission us. Send us out with the power of your Holy Spirit. Let the fruit of the Holy Spirit overflow from us onto the world around us. Thank you, Jesus. Today, with heads bowed and eyes still closed, some of us in this room may have just been dragged along to see a kid on a stage or eat some cookies. But you have an opportunity today. You have an opportunity to give your life in service of something so much bigger than you. And maybe today was the first time you realized I'm not the star of the show, but there's something so much bigger going on. That my kingdom, my plans, my endeavors in this life aren't worth putting all of my self-worth into, all of my time and effort and money into, but that his kingdom is so much higher, so much better. I want to give my life to that. Usually we we lean into the grace of the gospel that doesn't matter how much you have messed up how unworthy you are that Jesus came for you and that is true you can tap into the grace God can forgive you in an instant by calling on the name of Jesus and he promises to every time but today 
I want to lean into the fact that you can give your life for something so much bigger. You can live in service of something so much bigger than you. So much greater. And it's not just about you. If today you're saying, you know what, I want to give my life to something bigger. I want to be useful on planet Earth. I want to do something that matters, that lasts. I want to give my life in service of Jesus. Be used by him. That's you today, and you're praying that for the first time, that you're truly giving your heart, your life, your soul to Jesus, that you want to make him the Lord, the boss of your life for the first time or the first time in a long time, and you're sitting in this room. Would you just raise your hand right where you sit? I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. If you're watching online today, you can also text the number on the screen. We'd love to help you with that decision. Anybody here today, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Raise your hand up high. Maybe he's been the Lord of your life for a while, but you've let some fear sneak in. You've let some pride sneak in. There's some things you're letting get in the way of you being used by God. Maybe you have a specific thing you know God is calling you to, but you've been holding back for some reason. Or, or maybe you haven't asked God for a calling in a while. You haven't asked God to be used by him in a while. And you just want to repent today. Give that back to Jesus and ask him to use you. Would you raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you as well. You're just asking God to use you. Father, we... Thank you and we praise you for each move towards you today, each decision made in hearts and minds to live for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for coming. Thank you for laying down the perfection of of heaven and coming into this mess. Thank you for your sacrifice, for believing in us, for using us. God, I pray that you would do so much more through us in the coming years, that we, each and every one of us sitting here today, would be a light to our world. We would carry the banner of the Lion of Judah with us everywhere we go. We'd leave things better than we found them. We would truly be Jesus to our world. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Can we give her a round of applause? Thank you, Pastor Candace. Sometimes I ask the question that I ask myself, why do I hesitate to tell people about Jesus? What is it? It's almost like it's ho-hum news instead of the good news. So as the shepherds went, when they realized what they said, when they realized that here was the Messiah who was changing the light of the world, who was changing lives and going to affect humanity forever. That is the good news. Are we going to, this week, my challenge to you, are we going out with ho-hum news, oh well, or we have the good news? Which is it? Do you have the good news? All right, let's this week determine that we have on our face the good news, not the ho-hum news, the good news of Jesus Christ. Will you stand?
Thanks for coming. Father God, we just thank you for your word for today. Lord, so many times, and I recognize them all self, that my, my demeanor, my uh, face says ho-hum instead of the good news of Jesus Christ. The life, the hope, the salvation, all the good gifts you've given us. Thank you. Let us commit in our hearts this week, today, to be this week, sharing the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Change us, Lord. Change us. Oh, Holy Spirit, do that work in us. And we receive your power, your anointing to be your people. And have that excitement, enthusiasm, and the love of God just pouring out from us that we go tell of the good news. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, please let us know by going to fv.church slash I am in. And remember to download our app for more content and helpful links.